What's the worst day you ever had in your business? I can name a few. I was a five-time award-winning entrepreneur who burned out because I couldn't give up control of anything in my business, whether it was because I thought I could do it faster or because I thought I couldn't afford it. I just refused to let anybody else in. Consequently, the business turned from a dream goal into a job I hated and I didn't know what to do anymore. In 2015, I closed my business, walked away, and started a whole new life. But I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up after that. And I realized that what I really love to do is marketing. I love to talk about marketing and create marketing and teach other people how to create value-based marketing initiatives that talk to their customers. I've done it for corporations, for entrepreneurs like you, bloggers, and everybody in between. I'm here to help you create your dream empire that gives you the freedom to create your life the way you want to do it. My name is Megan Brain. This is Stop Sucking at Business. Let's go. Hey guys, Megan here. Thank you so much for joining me. I am super glad you're here today and I am really excited for you to hear this woman speak. I am here with Connie Vanderzanden and she is on a mission to help entrepreneurs live the lifestyles they desire by learning the simple steps, structure, and discipline to create and save money. Connie brings 34 years of accounting, accounting, see, I told you I was going to mess it up, (laughs) accounting and bookkeeping experience and her own real life business growth journey since 2001 to our conversation. So she is going to tell you how to make 2021 suck a little bit less with your money this year. No pressure, Connie. No, no pressure. (laughs) 2021 has to be better than 2020, right? Just please. (laughs) (laughs) So let's start with 34 years of experience. Like, tell me, how did you get started in this? Like, tell me your background. Yeah, um, by default. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Compared to our generation today, the millennials today have so much more choice. But when um, in the 80s, when I was 19, it was how soon can you get married? And when will you start having kids? And so uh, by default, I ended up in bookkeeping and accounting. And um, because numbers were easy. And I remember my math teacher really was very disappointed in me when that happened. Um, (laughs) He proved them wrong or something? Why? Yeah, well, I I think he thought I would become a teacher or something. I'm not really sure. But um, but yeah, numbers have always been easy for me. Um, They make a picture for me. They... uh, they talk to me in a different way than they, I know that they talk to most accounting professionals, but I, I, uh, I never liked it. I really never liked it. It was simply supposed to put money or food on the table um, until we decided to have kids or whatever the next should be for um, the generation I was in and um, kids never developed. And so I, I found myself in an industry that was easy, not fulfilling, and um, I built a business around it. And when I turned 50, I was like, I'm done doing something I hate. <laughs> it used to be funny. I used to tell people, yeah, I don't really like it, but I don't. And I and it's hard for me to do my own bookkeeping and accounting. Um, but I realize now that all of that was so I could sit here and talk to people about their business, really talk about what it's like to do their numbers or look at their numbers. because. 
even with all that experience and book knowledge, it's still really hard for me to do it for myself. But I can do it for you. I can sit there and that's my that's my purpose. And I know that that is the reason I'm in business is to sit there and talk with business owners about it. So um, it was hard at first to <laughs> say, yeah, I'm a bookkeeper who doesn't like what they do. <laughs> and I mean, I, I built, I hired team, I had commercial space, I really went all in on on that. But uh, yeah, it's it's better when you can do something you really love and make money by doing it. Um, but numbers are numbers are the language of business. And so anybody can learn them. It's just a matter of breaking it down into ways that people can digest them. And I think um, the accounting industry doesn't do that very well because they're all very number focused. And for them, it's black and white, right? And But for most entrepreneurs and business owners, they need it done in a different fashion so that uh, we're, we all learn at different skills and at different ways, like some are verbal, some are written, and you need to like help them a little bit more on how to digest it, even by putting color or doing something fancy on something mm -hmm. so that they can see it a little better. That's, that's really it is. But once you learn that language, then you can do ma magic with your business. It's so funny that you say, um, you know, for yourself, you're not the best bookkeeper accountant. No. I'm like, I can market anything, but when it comes to my business, I'm like, I don't, I don't want to, it's a whole, yeah. I don't want to. <laughs> it's our gift to do that for other people. And I mean, that's why you hire coaches and stuff. And um, it, our pain point is usually what we can teach the best. Mm -hmm. That's a really good point. I like that. Yeah. So when did you decide that it was going to be, I don't want to put it to get your groove back for numbers, I guess uh, that you, you started to pivot towards entrepreneurs and helping them with financial plans. What, what made you, I guess, decide to try that and what made you go hardcore full-time into it? Yeah. So they, well, my human design is a projector and I've, if anybody knows what that is. So I really get energy from other people. Um, but I, I'm able to hold the space for them, a container for them to like show up and be who they are. But their excitement, their creativity, their passion for what they do lights me up and helps me like go through my day a lot better. So um, entrepreneurs and millennials and people that are starting out in business have that spark. They still really love their business. And so they're the funnest people to work with, right? <laughs> to help nurture and, and help them put in the, the foundational pieces to make their business a success. And entrepreneurs that I normally work with have a big mission, a big purpose for their, their life. They're either making big cultural changes or social mm -hmm. justice changes. They really want to use money to make a big statement in what they're going to show up in the world. So why not help them do that yeah. piece? So That makes sense. And yeah. I love that it's, you make me think of the spark in the beginning of just anything is possible. Yeah. And yeah, and that's, that's a beautiful feeling. So yeah, I can understand why that would be what calls you to it. <sighs> We're working into getting out of 2020s clusterfuck of mm -hmm. everything. Yes. <laughs> the spark might be a little dim right now. <laughs> The spark's a little bit dull right now, um, but we're coming out and we are preparing ourselves for 
just a hell of a year for 2021. And, you know, this is, um, for those listening, we're recording this in December, but this will be out in January. So people will have started to make their supposed resolutions. So let's talk about a money resolution. For, sure. But I wanted, I want to ask you first, what you have noticed with entrepreneurs when they start to decide I was going to say when they start to decide to make money a priority, but I guess I mean more like what, and I'll just say like, what unrealistic expectations have you seen people have when it comes to entrepreneurship and money? Like they don't realize the costs or things like that. Like what kind of trends have you noticed for entrepreneurs? Yeah. So, well, my, my own personal trend was, um, just a word I kept saying, I kept saying, like, I just need enough to pay the bills. And so I find that a lot is that they will there, that's limiting how much money they are able to make, they may have a dream of making seven figures, but if they're just willing to bring in enough to cover the bills, that's what's going to show up. And so sometimes it's about the words we say, which are the blocks we have around money. Um, some are um, that they aren't willing to make more than what their parents made. And so they'll get up to that level too. Um, but they're always being encouraged to spend more, spend more, spend more. So we get stuck in, I think the most common for entrepreneurs is hustle phase, which is, is necessary in startup, right? It's, it's, we have more time than money. Usually if people are coming out of a job um, time might be that that key factor. They don't they're doing it late in the evenings or on the weekends, but we usually have more time to invest in that startup. But then we start getting used to that phase of hustling, and we hustle for the first dollar, and we it's already spent, and but so we have to keep hustling to bring money in that's already spent. <laughs> that's how we get into debt. That's how I got into debt. Um, so how do you get, how do you stop? You have to have that that moment um, where it's a line in the sand that says you can't do this anymore. You have to like create sustainable pricing. You have to create sustainable um, revenue levels of like um, maybe retainers rather than a hourly rate. Like bookkeepers will go to a retainer model rather than charging by the hour. Maybe they're collecting it at the first of the month rather than the end of the month. So um yeah, it's the hustle phase. It's kind of the words we're saying to ourselves that stop us. Um, and the other piece is treating your business like a bank. Um, this happens a lot with startups and small business where they're just pulling money out when they, they personally need it. And so they've never really claimed to the business how much do they need to live on. And more than not, they'll pull money out and they'll owe tax at the end of the year because they, they paid the rent, they paid groceries, they paid, they, they paid for their lifestyle. And when they sit down to do their taxes, this is why people don't like to go to their tax person. <laughs> they'll go, you owe this much money in tax. They'll go, where is it? The entrepreneur and business owners, like, I don't know where it went. And that's because they were using it to pull out 20, 100, you know, little money here and there instead of really claiming what the business needs to pay them and taking it as a, as a, a definite, as a wage. I, I hate to use the word wage because um, small business entrepreneurs, um, single member LLCs, that's not what it technically is, but that's what most people can recognize it as. 
So makes sense. It's like yeah. um, you know the the definition of literally is way different than it is implemented now. And yeah. it seems like wage technically is correct, but it's not. Yeah. Yeah. But it's funny because you're saying these things and it's ringing so true. I can just see my past with that of just, well, I, I won't, I'll worry about taxes later or I'll mm -hmm. worry about, I'll worry about that in January. Right now I'm just going to hustle. And then all of a sudden it's January and $9,000 is due what's happening by April. So it, it's scary. And I think that I want to talk more about what you said in the beginning of enough and the limitations that enough has in a financial plan. Um, can you talk more about that? Yeah, I think, you know, so, well, in the eighties, we actually learned about personal finance and how to budget certain things. Um, it's not taught very often now. Uh, so, but what it shows up as is, is we only really think of what we currently need. And I think a lot of us have been raised around money is that money's only to buy us the things we currently need to pay rent, utilities, car payments, groceries, those types of things. And entrepreneurs need to think and dream bigger. But when we think and dream bigger, numbers get a little cloudy. And so then we don't want to, we don't want to touch them. We don't want to claim that number. Um, we don't want to put it definitely on a budget. Um, and so we always just make what we need today. And usually that's our bare minimum. Sometimes we are able to like, okay, we would like to have a, a bigger place to live in, especially now if you were stuck in a one bedroom apartment with <laughs> multiple people, <laughs> you're like, I need space. <laughs> now we have a dream, right? We have dreams to get bigger space. Now we have a bigger financial goal. Now we can set, you know, and hold that in, and work towards that. But usually people are just, especially in startup, our heads are down. We're working so hard to get the business found and seen and regular clients in. We're not paying attention to what we're reaching for when it comes to money or numbers. Mm -hmm. And so we're just, what do we need today? What do we need this month? What do we need? And so we get stuck in that pattern of just creating what we need in the moment. And so I want to encourage entrepreneurs to dream more and use numbers to help. It's like keeping score. It's that's all it is. It's not bad or good. You can have whatever your dream is that you want around numbers, but you got to like claim it. And so that way, you know what you're working towards, you know what you need to create, you know, you know, when you've gotten there, you can celebrate it um, and you can take smaller steps towards it too. And it could be a small, it's like if you're working from home, and on your dining room table, I, I remember talking with a lady who um, was just starting her business, has some kids at home, so her time was limited. And all and she, what she wanted to do was pay for the vacation that she was going to take with her family. And so she did have a goal. She needed to claim what that goal was and probably get some more passion behind it. Like, where are you going to go? Like, do some like like planning on it so that she could really tap into that goal. And then that way she could create that. So it could be really small goals or it can be, you know, seven figure goals if that's what you want to create and have team and make a big impact on the world. But that's not going to happen overnight, that seven figures. And so we've got to take smaller steps to get to there. So let's talk a little bit more about those steps and um, your route towards nurturing money. I want to kind of 
talk about an actionable way that we can start this year on the right foot creating I want to say realistic goals but I guess that's seen as a negative sometimes (laughs) let's say like uh stretch yet attainable goals and how do you how do you recommend people start that and what kind of mindset do you recommend people start adopting for that sure well the first thing is you you do definitely have to know your numbers that's where we all so we all have a starting point you got to put them out on paper or in a spreadsheet Um, we got to look at them and i think that's the scary part is people don't want to look at them or they're ashamed of what they spend and um, but 2020 we've all been cocooned so our spending is low so let's look at them now but we got we have to have our starting point and then we have to know exactly what your bare minimum is what you're working towards Um, And then what would you like to sustain? Like, would you like to grow into 12 months or 90 days? What would you like that to look like? And then that way we can work into what your revenue might be. What, what could you sell? What could you create? What could, what could be developed? And then um, when money comes in, it's about paying more attention to money, like giving it some love and attention and nurturing money instead of just, Oh, it came in and went right back out. We're just ignoring, you know, relationships um, that you just ignore that roommate relationship never (laughs) is never a good thing. And so money is our best employee of our of our business. So you need to give it some time and attention. And so I like money to come in and celebrate it, like sing a song, do a dance, ring a bell type of thing, and then intentionally use money. Um, Before you pay all your bills, pay yourself, save some money for sustainability, and then save some money for tax right off the top, and then pay your bills. So if you can change how you change that behavior, because a lot of businesses will pay, as soon as money shows up, they pay all their vendors, and then they get what's left. We got to switch that one. That one's the easiest one. Um, But if you wanted one quick tip, open a savings account, a business savings account. And then for every time money comes in once a week, twice a month, transfer half a percent to 1% into your savings account and just start letting that build up so that you can have, start creating that 90 day platform or that, you know, just a little bit of sustainability. Um, Cause you'll see what happens after you start building and saving money. It wants to stick around. And once you're like, oh, I love you, money, let's let's play over here. Um, It's like, oh, I'm going to bring more people with me (laughs) and I'm going to be here. And it's funny. And and it's just it's an energy thing. I have to tell people you just have to try it out. Just just try it for 90 days and see what happens. And um, but that will help us shift our mindset because now we're seeing money sticking around. Mm -hmm. We can see that we can make it and keep it. And so that will start shifting how you react to it. So creating a better relationship with money, knowing your numbers, and then creating a, a, a cash handling system that kind of like slows the process down so that you can save a little bit um, for sustainability, pay yourself first and taxes, and then pay your vendors. Hey guys, Megan here. How are your conversions doing? Are they maybe a little won't won't? I am here to help you with this exclusive free training about two phrases you can use that just boost your conversions like kapow. 
But there's a catch. It's totally free, but you have to get it in my Facebook group. That's the only place it's available. So to join, join my Facebook group. No, <laughs> joining my Facebook group is totally free. It's at facebook.com slash groups slash Megan Brame. Once you join, you'll be able to get access to the training that shows you two stupidly simple phrases you can use to add oomph to your conversions in your marketing. It's going to blow your mind. And I am so excited for you to check it out. Again, facebook.com slash groups slash Megan Brame. I'll see you in there. The thought about having a relationship with money that is a relationship and not just a, I don't know, owner slave system. Yeah. Yeah. You can decide who the slave is in that scenario. Yeah. Well, I think because when we're in hustle phase, that's what it feels like is that we're hustling. We have to bring in a dollar to pay what's already spent or to make the next step or anything. So it's definitely creating that pause in the system and recognizing that it's to celebrate us and to, to take care of our lifestyle first and then for the business. Now, that might mean some expenses might have to be postponed or um, put on hold for a little bit until you create some sustainability of your income. But um, it's going to make it way healthier. You're going to have a much healthier relationship with your business. Um, You're going to be able to pause and enjoy life more and bring that passion back. So you're going to like shine off that little passion button (laughs) because that's the key thing for entrepreneurs is they've got to be passionate about what they do. That's what they create. That's, that's their purpose. Mm-hmm. So. It makes sense. And yeah, I, I completely agree. You're talking a lot about the beginning phase where we bring in a dollar and yet we still have to pay a dollar 50 in expenses mm-hmm. and things like that. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about how to responsibly use debt? when you're an entrepreneur and let's just say like you're a solopreneur, you're just doing this in, you know, like you said, nights, weekends, and you don't have a solid business plan. You're just going like, what, how do you recommend people utilize debt if at all? Yeah. I'm, I'm a proponent. I think debt can be used wisely. Uh, And the key thing is, is intentionality is really understanding it. So first off, I recommend that even if you are a, a business that works on your dining room table part-time open a business checking account just for it. And if you can designate at least one credit card just for the business. And that's, that's all that's going to be right there. So you can maintain those two. One, it's going to make your bookkeeping a lot easier if you can do that. Um, but it's also going to create the sustainability of like, this is my credit card for my business and this is my limitation. So I have had a credit card, um, with $5,000 limits on it. And that's what I used for coaching or growth, any, any type of personal growth. So if it's maxed out, I can't do anymore. And so whenever I make a charge on it, the, the key thing is, is so when can I pay this back? I'm going to do, you know, when you first get into debt, we don't, I, I know when I got into 50,000 in debt, I was doing it unconsciously. I was throwing, because we are, <laughs> It's different when I have to pay actual green hard dollars. I go into a panic that I have to count money out, which is so funny (laughs) because my first job was at McDonald's where I had to like count money back. But (laughs) um, in our society today, we're so used to plastic credit cards and we just so disconnect from that spending. The intangible. Yeah. Yeah. And so 
So when you're using one credit card, how can you create more intentionality around it? So um, <clears throat> if I want to pay it off, what needs to be created? If I want to say yes to this, which I never tell my clients no to anything. If they want to create it and they have the vision for it, that's great. So what are you going to create to pay for it? And realize that creating something, like selling something, um, is going to take some time. And so your best bet is one-to-one -one clients or, or, you know, something group or something leverage, something you can do. But, um, yeah, if you're going to do it, like, um, you are a maker. Mm -hmm. And you have to buy products to make something. So we got to make sure that we figure in the cost and the interest because we're going to probably pay minimum payment on that credit card until you're able to create the product and then sell it down the line. Mm -hmm. So making sure all of that overhead is included in the price. Mm -hmm. So you may be relooking if you use debt to buy things, you're probably going to have to relook at the pricing model that you're going to use for your products so that you make sure you have enough overhead and profit margin built in so mm -hmm. you can pay that debt back. But um, the one thing you can do is when debt comes in, pay the minimum. And as you're setting money aside in that savings account that we talked about, every quarter, you can take a piece of that out to make a larger payment on the debt. But it's going to be a slower process to pay it off. Mm -hmm. um, but that's intentionality. How do you want to pay it? When can you pay it? And keeping that in mind is one of the goals. Along those lines, what do you recommend people do invest in when it comes to entrepreneurship? You know, I know there are people that say, oh, you should do this. And then that just becomes a slippery slope of $50,000 credit card debts and things. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. What What are your recommendations for what people should be investing in for besides, besides themselves in a savings account? Yeah, and I think, I really do think every entrepreneur is different. Sure. But um, one, mostly what entrepreneurs do is, is personal development and growth. And that could be simply a book or a class online. Um, it could be tapping into your intuition a little bit more, um, taking, getting some tarot cards, taking a class on that, um, and our self-care. So if you can combine all of those together, like someday we will begin able to travel again. <laughs> And you can go on a retreat and do all of that. That would be worthwhile. Because I think, because of us to really get out of hustle mode, we have to make sure our tank is full all the way. Mm -hmm. And so that means like every quarter planning um, or every six months that you are taking time to refill because that passion meter in us needs to be refilled. Our creativity comes from that. Our willingness to keep the business running comes from that. And so from somebody who's gone to burnout phase, Mm -hmm. The key thing is to keep a sustainable business is cash, but it's also your energy. And so how can you refill that piece of it? And like I said, everyone um, has a different way of refilling it. Mm -hmm. um, but I, for me, it's quarterly taking uh, a couple days off each month to just decompress and plan or do some, some writing, doing something creative or going somewhere for me is really helpful. Getting out of my norm and experiencing something and even if it's like just traveling to another state and staying in a hotel <laughs> <laughs> um, by myself, that's, mm -hmm. that's enough to reset myself. So um, those are the key things, but 
you know, the business model too might have some growth opportunities. It could be um, uh, when you're ready mm -hmm. and you, you make enough to cover your lifestyle, the next step would be to bring in um, somebody for as an assistant or a bookkeeper or somebody to outsource to. But I will tell you this, if you're not, if you're making less than 60 to 70,000 in gross revenue, you really, and, and this is your life, this is feeding your life, like you're, you've given up the job, this is feeding you, you that's not enough to also bring on mm. a part-time person. Um, you need to be up in that 100,000, 150,000 to pay yourself and then pay for somebody else. So um, we, we are often encouraged to outsource way too soon, mm. <laughs> way too soon. <laughs> which gets us into debt. So that's interesting. And that's some tough love. I mean, yeah. you know, a lot of people will, like you said, start outsourcing way before six figures. And yeah. so that's, yeah. And Can that's but that's when we become that slave servant, right? Mm. In the business is that we, and we will tend to put the team first before ourselves. Mm. I'm only speaking from experience on this one is that that's what happened during my growth phase is that I paid everybody else. The team got paid, rent got paid, but I didn't for six years. And oh. that's just not, <laughs> not sustainable. You start hating your business and um, then you start filling filling that hole in different ways that's not healthy. So, um, yeah, it's it's a little hard. It's a little hard love there, but um, creating sustainability is key. So, if you want to bring somebody else in, realize that you may have to like keep that day job for for other things. Um, somebody I talked to has a day job for health insurance and pension. Mm -hmm. um, because that's another thing we tend not to be able to have as small business owners. We just can't usually have the cash to do both. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we have to keep both so that we can create what we want to do. So that again, knowing your numbers will help you determine what needs to happen and what needs to stay. Can we talk about your burnout? Yeah. 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 Let's hear it. What, Cause what you're saying resonates very closely with my burnout and people listening have probably heard it before, but just, I was, um, I ran a skincare company and it was great until I wouldn't give up control of anything because I didn't want people to see my numbers and I didn't <laughs> want people to see, like open up that Pandora's box. And yeah. for me, it became a, a job I hated instead of a business I loved and I, I burned out and I, I walked away from it. So I, what you're saying very much resonates with my history, but let's talk about yours now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I I didn't realize I was probably burned out way much sooner than that <laughs> in the real moment. Um, again, the hustle phase takes a lot out of you. Yeah. And when uh, when I first started my business, it was just me, and I took that employee mindset and just I was the world's worst boss. <laughs> I was I was horrible, <laughs> but I didn't understand how to how to be a business owner with you know getting a W-2 and it was hard. I didn't have all the pieces put together. Um, but I took that hustle phase and then I started to like, um, I got my first life coach and then realized there was something more to build, but I was already through hustle phase for six years and then started to grow the business, which was even more hustle and um, got commercial space and hired team. And so now I'm in complete hustle phase of like having to bring work in to pay for these people and to pay for this. And, um, there were moments of, of joy, 
but not enough to really keep it moving forward. But the the moment was is that I was looking at fifty thousand in debt and all the cards were maxed out and realized I hadn't paid myself. I had to slide a W two over for my husband to see. And I think that year it was I think I had contributed six thousand on a W two. It was it was really nothing. That was the that was the biggest W two at the moment. Uh, I had no other debt I could like hit up to do anything, and I had to make a decision. And the burnout was: could I walk away? I had so much debt I didn't understand how I could even walk away. And all these people had jobs, and so it it was a dark night <laughs> of like being in all that shame because on the outside it looked like I was successful. It looked shiny and bright and people are like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe how much your business has grown. And I was barely keeping it together. Oh. And uh, yeah, so I had to come to the decision of what to do. And, and I let the commercial space go All my team. Um, we let go and I, I kept a few um, just for temporarily as I rejiggered, it a lot. Right. Um, but yeah, it was hard. And so I'm, <laughs> I, I don't throw rocks because I live in a glass house. <laughs> I'm still working on the debt. I'm still a work in progress. And so, but I restructured the debt with a loan and I very successfully continue to pay my credit cards off every month and make slower payments on that, that debt. And there was a lot of, there was a lot of healing there. Sure. I had to do, I had to heal my own shame and guilt around debt, which I think was the most stifling piece of the whole, whole dark night of the soul. Um, I had to like come clean with my husband. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> and I, I had to learn how to talk about this mm -hmm. because this is so many business owners get into the, this point. I I've worked with business owners for 34 years and there's always some type of story like this in mm -hmm. their past and they don't want to talk to it. They don't want to like bring it out, but it's all there. And it's not, it's not our fault. We didn't learn how to really do money. And mm -hmm. we learned how to do money like when we were seven years old. And so whatever yeah. our parents taught us, here's your allowance. And yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, it's what we brought into our business. And so our seven year olds been running the business all along. So we want what we want when we want it. Mm -hmm. And that's usually when debt happens. And so it's not, it's not our fault. It's now that we know is that we'll do better. And that's the key piece is when are you willing to really take the blinders off mm. and look at your numbers and your money and, and, and like, okay, I created this. This is mine. Take ownership and then decide what you want to do next. That's the key piece. When you were climbing out, is that when you had mentioned human design before? Is that when you started exploring human design? Yeah, I, I when I started hiring team, I explored a lot of different things because it helped me. I didn't know what to do. <laughs> I had to learn a lot. And the more we learn about ourselves, mm -hmm. I think the stronger leaders we become. And so <clears throat> human design was introduced to me by my coach, Tina For Forsyth at the time. And it was so eye-opening because I, it just was like, oh, I'm a projector. I like and anytime in, I'm in a room, if you're having a horrible day, I will absorb all of that. Oh my God. <laughs> and all of a sudden that will be like, why am I having a horrible day? Why am I reading <laughs> chocolate? <laughs> why am I so tired? And yeah. Mm -hmm. But it makes me very intuitive. And so I, that's why I can hold the space for so many people to have these conversations because, well, I've, I've been there, but that's, that's my purpose. 
this time on earth is to like just hold that space and yeah I have no open channels most of the time and so I have to learn how to like really control my energy and when to recharge and take time off for that purpose um because not I I think a projector is not a common entrepreneur I think common entrepreneurs are more manifesting generators who have that internal drive and they just can keep going mm -hmm. but they'll get burnout too um it's the intuitive ones that that know um they just know things they're, they're more spiritual more um they do a lot of healing work with other people they're the they're the ones that really need to like pay attention to their own energy and and make sure that they're taking care of themselves and money can help support that but we have to be willing to receive that support. So when it comes to money and yeah. I know you are not human design expert, but I'm just, no. I have, you are the third person I think that I've interviewed in a row that has mentioned human design. And so this is like, this is my calling. Like <laughs> Megan, get off the microphone and go read. So human design and money uh, can you talk about your experience with that and how you've have you utilized that with your clients too uh some of my clients have done human design i just um my friend ada barlett has created a new tool that i'm working with her on um that i think i'm going to be using with clients as we move forward but so human design is is a little bit of astrology mm -hmm. and um so it's your birth date and year you were born and everything and um, where the stars are in alignment. And you can really pay attention because not only do I talk about money, I also talk about the other resource entrepreneurs and business owners have, which is our bandwidth. Mm. Um, and they both are really super important when you're doing your financial plan because mm -hmm. you have a big money goal and you don't have the bandwidth to create and deliver on that. You're going to not be able to achieve it and then you get down on yourself and so forth but so i think human design is really going to be important to track bandwidth for clients to help mm -hmm. them understand what their energy levels are and if they aren't aware like if they haven't been in business longer than five years they mm -hmm. may not be able to see the pattern like some clients need to take time off every 90 days one client mm -hmm. i worked with she's a big creator um and when she was able to work that in to her planning, um, she could come back way more creative and be a better leader for her team. But to do that, you got to make sure you've got sustainable income in the bank, right? Right. And so we can, but we can, if we know that about ourselves, we can start building that in slowly and slowly. And like that is our non-negotiable. I take this time off every year or I do this because I've got to create the income to help me do that. And so I think they go hand in hand. And so do we do money first or the bandwidth first? I think you have to do them in, in, together. You have to do them mm -hmm. at, at the same time. But human design is one way of doing it. Um, and any anything, like I love my Enneagram told me mm -hmm. as much as my human design did. Um, I'm a nine. Um, knowing Gretchen Rubin's four tendencies of like how I show up was super important too. And for my team, I use a lot of um, Gallup Strengths Finders um, because I find, and it's real, those work really well for clients as well because I can speak to their strengths. Love that. I, oh, it's so, I found that last year, early last year. And it was just, 
mind blowing. I mean, I've done like, you know, INFP and Briggs Myers, all of that stuff, but just like, it was so good. It's like, I love that kind of shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Gallup Strengths Finder. So when I had to close my business, I had, you know, a commercial space, I had three mm-hmm. huge desks, I had enough stuff in there for four different people. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know the first thing of how I was going to like even sell all this stuff. I mean, there's mm-hmm. so much stuff in there after seven years. <laughs> But the strengths of my team member that was still there was an organization. Mm. And she like did some research and like she created a little office supply store (laughs) with pricing and everything. And it was so much better because I knew that I could lean into her strength to do that because my strength was not there. And that's the other Mm. reason I think what I learned about not doing bookkeeping is that, yes, I can get into that. And I numbers do are part of what I do, but I didn't have enough strength to love it. And her mm-hmm. strength is was she loved that piece. And so you can, and when you talk to it, they like, they, they're, they, they're so happy. Yeah. They perk up. They're like, Oh yeah, you see, you see me. And so I think it, that was just as important as knowing all the rest of it. So that's, yeah, I, I have nothing further to add to that. It was perfectly <laughs> <good>. <laughs> So let's talk, all right, actionable for 2021. Mm -hmm. Do you recommend people start with quarterly goals, monthly, yearly? How do you recommend people start a financial plan? It's a good question because we got hit hit and knocked back so much in 2020. Right. I think I like to do my plans in two. I like the bare minimum. What do you need today? And I like to have a 12 month goal or your growth goal. Now, time is irrelevant. So what we set for our first 90 days might actually be our first six months. Mm -hmm. And so we just have to be a little bit more flexible with that. So with that in mind, what we want to do first is create a savings account. So you have some sustainability, some cushion. Mm-hmm. So that's our first goal. And then the second goal is to like really develop what you can add or grow into. And that could take a short period of time or it could take a longer period of time. But normally I look at 12 months, but I think it's a little hard to hold that space right now. And right. so right. Um, if you can just plan out just, and if you've never done planning, because, you know, there's no book about how to be a business owner. <laughs> <laughs> We got into this business without probably planning, or at least I did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't create a business plan before I started. Uh, it, it took me many years to learn to like to actually plan. So if you've never planned, do 30 days first. What would you like to accomplish in 30 days? And then get a success under your under your belt and then do longer. Because I think when we do a 12-month plan, so many things could happen, like a 2020 year and nothing happens. And then we're not passionate about making any type of plan. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to money, money does like to have a container. It's like any good employee, it wants sustain, it wants consistency, wants you to look at it and pay attention to it. But it also wants to know what its purpose is. And by having that financial plan, that's kind of identifying what its purpose is, so it can keep track Mm -hmm. of how it's doing. So, um, but yeah, start small, if you've never done one, just, just to get that win first. So when do you recommend people come to you for help and what kind of work do you like them to do ahead of time? Well, honestly, people are always 
so shameful when they come to me because they're like, I know it yeah, can be better. Aren't you? I, <laughs> I know it can be better. I know, I, I know. And, and really everybody comes at the same point, mm -hmm. you know, something's not right or something doesn't feel right or something is messy or maybe a, your tax pro has said something. So everybody comes at a certain stage and I've seen it all. I, it's, it sometimes it just needs like 10 minutes. Sometimes it needs three hours. Um, so I wouldn't prepare it. I wouldn't look now. I'm the person that cleans their house before her housekeeper comes. I will, I will. <laughs> My like, what are you doing? You don't have to do that. And let's just have a conversation. Let's find out what skills that you're bringing to the table. What time do you have available? And then we can look at what you have and then decide what the next best next step is. And if you have the time, then maybe like I was talking with somebody last week, they went back and they did the reconciliations and got all the information in. And then I looked at it and we put a very small container around it so that they know what was going on. But you don't have to do anything. You just have to be willing to be in the conversation with me mm -hmm. and be willing to look at your numbers. Um, and I'm not going to be able to solve everything overnight for you. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to hold the space and together we'll create a, a, a plan. Um, and so that's, I think, the difference between a mentor and a coach. A coach is usually going to bring the tools and you're just going to do the steps. I'm going to bring everything I have and help you know, partner with you on what to do next. So I saw that <laughs> the puppies are here. <laughs> I saw that you usually have a six month commitment. Is that right? Is that what you require? Um, I, yes, I will. Yeah, that's my mentoring program. And I find that we, the first time we ran it, we did it for 12 months and that's was just too long. People, really take about six months to start changing their mindset and see success and like start rebuilding their habits around money. Um, and so 12 months they were like checked out. <laughs> so, but it's funny after six months, none of my clients tend to leave, <laughs> but so we may be reframing that, but sometimes just to get started, I mean, nobody usually jumps into a six month relationship like that without knowing me a little bit more. <laughs> So usually it's a strategy session and that way they get to see me work. I get to experience what they want to do and um, we just play with the numbers. So that's the best starting point is we'll create a financial plan and, and figure out a couple scenarios, what they want to do and then determine next steps. Sometimes it's just a cash handling system. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes it's cleaning up their bookkeeping, making it a little streamlined and easier. Um, so yeah, but my, Clients that work with me six months, they have a big goal, the big vision, and they want like to talk to me every week. They want to like look at the numbers on a regular basis. They want more education. Mm -hmm. And so that's usually six months is a good starting point for that. So how can people find you? Well, we've created a website, moneyactiontips.com. And so it's really easy. It's, it's just a page on my website, but there's a free report on the cash handling system, the first three steps. Um, and they can, um, get on my easing list if they want, or the key thing is if you have any questions about anything we talked about today is there's opportunity to schedule a 30 minute free consultation. And I want to make sure everyone has the next steps they need to, to feel complete. Mm 
because that's you won't look at your numbers unless you feel like you have a good starting point. And as we go into 2021, if if you don't know where to get started, then that's a good place is to schedule a conversation. Um, and then we'll just see wh what you need and where you're at. And I'll give you resources and I'll even I can even look at your numbers if you want me to. <laughs> <laughs> And don't come with any shame. She has seen it no, all. Don't, don't. Because, well, I, because I, I've been there, I've done that. Mm -hmm. And um, I know what it feels like, because it's hard for me to show my accountant to where I'm at, like, really look at those numbers. It's, it, I, I had a phase where I couldn't talk to my husband about numbers. Mm -hmm. I felt like I was going to the principal's office. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's a really, really screwed up mindset in there, but you know, I worked through that. And so, um, everybody can, it's not just because I have 34 years in, in the accounting industry. That's, that's great. That brings a lot of the table to our conversation, but it's, I'm just like everybody else when it comes to that. Well, before we go, is there anything else that we forgot to cover that you want people to know? Oh, I think the key thing is, is celebrate money. Oh. Uh, we we think that money in society being rich is icky or there's a wealth, there's something around having wealth that's really kind of not the thing to go after. Mm. And the key thing is, is for money is not only does it add to our lifestyle, but it is the current way that we can make big change in this world. So if you have a big social justice change that you want to do, or you want to make a big like scholarship or, an, or help other people, we have to learn how to have a better relationship with money. We have to learn how to, to create more profit in our business for sustainability so that we can make those big changes with money. So if anything, find a way to celebrate it more and find some gratitude for it. And that will help start shifting how you use it and show up in the world. I love that. That's perfect. Thank you, Connie. You're welcome. Hey guys, one more thing before you go, could you do me a favor and leave a review of this episode? It would help me out so much and get the word out to other people. If you could just drop a review, I would really appreciate it. On the next episode, up for Harrow. I've signed up for Harrow multiple times and I have just wasted those emails. I like, they just, they came too much. There was hundreds of pitches, potential pitches that I could do every day. And I just didn't have the time. So I never did it. And I wasted that opportunity. So now I am hiring a publicist to handle all of that for me. And so that way I can get on more podcasts, help more people, um, do more articles, you know, whatever to get the message out there about my brand. And we'll see how that goes. Uh, she started two, three weeks ago, I think. And I've booked a couple of podcasts.